I'm Agnes Kurtzels. I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. You're listening to the Ag Knowledge Podcast. Welcome back to Ag Knowledge. This week, we're going to be talking about taxidermy and the process and everything like that. I know it's been a couple of weeks uh, since we've, you know, put out a podcast, but we had Christmas break in there. And before that, we had finals week and study week before that. So we kind of got lost in the preparation of finals week. So yeah, we're going to get started with Whitney. She's going to tell us all about taxidermy. So I've been doing taxidermy probably for 11 or 12 years now. I got started just watching my taxidermist um, just do our own work that we would bring. So like uh, ducks, other waterfowl, pheasants, and deer were mostly what we would do when I was younger. So just having my dad bring me and my two sisters, Caitlin and Elizabeth, down to our taxidermist and us just watching him do the work. And then we'd slowly help him out from uh, getting the eyes for whichever form we were doing, cleaning the hides, um, taking the fat off hides that were being ready to be processed, and to now doing it ourselves with his overview. So just for people that don't know what taxidermy is, can you explain what it is? Like the definition. So I don't know the actual definition, but it's the process of preserving wildlife and some livestock. We've done some uh, longhorn cattle, but just taking them from cleaning their hides to either dry tanning or wet tanning it, putting it on a form, and then trying to replicate it so it looks lifelike. And then it's preserved through chemicals and special processes then you can hang on your walls or have a mount. And like a form would be like, what's it made out of? Like styrofoam or? So it's a harder version of styrofoam, but it's, imagine styrofoam, but less porous. It's harder. The outside's harder. And so is the inside. You think like styrofoam, you can take your hand and like crunch it with like a fistful. Uh, The forms that we use are very much harder we have to use, like, a knife to make little changes. Like, if we're putting an interchangeable head into, like, a bear, well, we might have to change and shave down their neck. So using a knife to do that or... So do you just, like, chisel it to get, like, the body shape that you're looking for? We have forms that are specifically made for whatever we're doing, like a left or right turn for a deer or standing, laying, um, pouncing even, and just like, um, or like fish. For every species, there's a different form, so it looks like what they would underneath, and you would just lay their scales um, over top of that. But like the elk and the larger animals that we've done, and moose, we might have to cut a portion off if a customer decides they want it to be like um, front facing instead of like a slight left turn. So we would either A, get a new form, or if it's just something we can like makeshift do and just chisel that so it looks like it's all one piece. So it's basically like buying it standard and then making alterations? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know a lot of people find taxidermy kind of like disturbing disturbing (laughs) unsettling Mm -hmm. or even just you know weird i don't know i kind of feel like it's just there it doesn't sway me one way or the other if you think about it too long it kind of weirds me out a little bit but then at the same time it's especially for like we were talking before for conservation purposes it's kind of cool because especially with animals going extinct, it's cool to see those animals as they would, um, especially when they're no longer there. And you can say, well, you can get that with photography, but even with photographs, 
you can't get as realistic looking. And it's like when you go to a museum and there's the, the Nebraska History Museum where there's like the big mammoths. Yeah. Like you can see how tall they are compared to you and compare them to yourself rather than just, oh, that's a picture where you can't really get the full 3D effect, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing too. Like you can actually see what these animals look like. Mammoths and dinosaurs and stuff. We we have no idea what they actually look like. You know, well, I mean mammoths. Yeah. We have cave paintings and stuff, but that's a painting there's the ones that are like ice preserved though yeah those give it like that's that's more recent in history that you have like a better idea whereas dinosaurs is just based off bone construction so you don't really know like the nuances of the outsides i guess right well and it's crazy to like i don't know i saw this one documentary and they were showing how sometimes what we think a skeleton would look like with muscle and the skin and everything can be completely wrong from what it's like. They mm-hmm. had a bunch of paleontologists put together like a, not a pelican, but like a swan or something. Okay. And it was completely different than what it actually was. I don't know. I think that's with taxidermy, at least you can have a live model that you're, you know, trying to mm-hmm. get to. And like a lot of the forms, especially with like their heads and necks of life size or even half life forms. You'll see the veins in it so that it is more lifelike once you put their hide back onto it. So it's not just you have a hide of a deer and you're putting on a smooth surface. You're going to have the crevices in the face where it goes down for like their cheeks. They're going to have the veins down their neck and like their jaw muscles and a whole bunch of sort of stuff. Especially like with um, waterfowl, the heads that we use, the artificial heads have a lot of detail put into just the form which then helps you put even more detail back into this when you're creating and molding it with clay and then when you put the hide back onto it i have a question so i know if you like hunt stuff you can get a taxidermy but some animals you obviously can't hunt or like i know you said something about do you have zebra or something Mm -hmm. like how did you how did you get that is my question because so, you don't, I don't think you hunted it. No. So my sister, my younger sister, actually has a zebra in her bedroom, which is a half-life form. So that means it's uh, about the chest up. And we actually got the hide. It was a wet hide. So that means that it still has flexibility and is, of course, wet from someone that had hunted it and wasn't going to use it. And they didn't feel like discarding of it because they thought that would have been a waste. So my dad actually purchased it from this person so that it could be used and that the hunt, the exotic hunt, wherever he went, I think it was Africa, that it wouldn't have been a waste. So that the end of the zebra's life wasn't just the end for a trophy. It would be used to then preserve that animal. And my sister loves zebras, so that was one of her Christmas gifts. But we've done anything from pet longhorns that had passed away at an unexpected age or even like they were a pet before they went to slaughter. They're like, oh, we don't really want to get rid of their hide, but they still want to have that memory. Yeah, the memory and then also have money coming back to their farm. So it wasn't a total loss. With taxidermy, does that only include forms or is that also just skinning the hide? I don't know. People have like the cowhide rugs and cowhide blankets or whatever. Does that also, is that also included in taxidermy, I guess? It depends on the taxidermist you use. Uh, My taxidermist and I do. We have done like bear rugs. So we'll take the hide, defat it, which makes taking the fat off so that you just have the thin skin, which holds the hair follicles. And then we um, package that up and we ship it out. And actually we ship it out to a secondhand place and they actually preserve it and then create the rug back and they ship it back to us. And they also put the head form in. So if you wanted to hang it on a wall, the head wouldn't just flop over. It would stand up and you can have like an open mouth or a closed mouth. So when you see like a bear rug in movies and it's like an open mouth expression on like the floor of those fancy mansions it would have been gone through a taxidermy stage from it being harvested to that point where you see it in the movies do you um sell any of the stuff that you make like do you get 
very much profit from it like is it a big if you wanted to do it as a side hustle would you make money off of it definitely um so my taxidermist does it full-time but i have done it for like yearly try to give a mount for our pheasants forever chapter which is typically at least one pheasant that we either hunt ourselves or are donated by a pheasant farm who is also raising them to be put back into the wild for conservation which I think we've talked about in a different episode. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if there's if you have to talk, get a permit for this, or I would, um, if you're listening, ask your wildlife management team in your area. The game and parks. Yes, game and parks. <laughs> but if you do hit something the like game warden. <laughs> but if you hit something like a rooster, something small like that, you might be able to keep it. But I know, like, if you hit a mountain lion. I think it was like last week or something. Someone had hit one and you they couldn't keep it because I think they they probably wanted it to be taxed or needed to keep it as a trophy. But they had to turn it into the game warden. Well, I know for like fur season mm-hmm. and like coons and deer and stuff, you can get a roadkill license, which allows yeah. you to pick up anything on the side of the road. But I don't know for taxidermy. Yeah. That's why I just ask your game and warden or your conservation people in your area. Is there a certain animal, I guess, that's taxidermy the most often or, like, the most desirable or expensive? Okay, so that was, like, three questions Uh, in one. Yeah, I want you to answer all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So what we see normally as the probably top two, um, my taxidermy is down in Superior, Nebraska, which is down by the Kansas border, is either A, deer, or B, pheasants. Those are probably the top two that we see come in just because of the area that's down there. It's a lot of wildlife, um, cricks, and just... It's conser- their habitat? Yep, their habitat. There. And there's a lot of conservation down there. So you'll see that the most desired probably depends on who you're talking to. Like, I would love to have a hippo. It's very unrealistic and very out there. But, like, some people are, oh, I want an alligator. And you can get that. You could go down to the Florida Florida Everglades and hunt one and bring it back. I know my taxidermist, he uh, went gator hunting, and he brought it back and skinned it. And so it's just the skin hanging on the wall. He didn't do, like, an actual form or anything. So it was just uh Dry, tanned, and preserved that way. Um, I I always see, like, fish and deer around here. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in, like, a lot of the older, like, mom-and-pop restaurants. There's always a fish on the wall. Yeah, we do a lot of fish. And it depends on the skill that they take and the time, actually, really, of skinning it when they first harvest it and then getting it to us. And so it's not freezer burnt or... Mm-hmm. Anything like that. And then if we need to, like, do anything extra before shipping it off, um, it can be damaged in the process of being wet or dry tanned, whatever you're doing. And so bringing it back to us, sometimes things are so damaged we can't make it. So we can either give them, like, a replica or we could ask, hey, do you have another one? And try to do that as a different form if it's a different size or whatever so my question is like what happens between like death of said animal and coming to the shop like what's the time frame to get it there do you have to like refrigerate it or like how do you keep it i guess is my question so we actually at the taxidermist we can um during deer season we can take the hide off of the freshly harvested deer or it can be like if you harvest it day before you can bring it in the next day if it's a chilly night or you hung it out to dry and bleed it out but like for other animals if it's fish you can put in the freezer hole i know we've done that in canada we'll just throw whatever we want in our freezer make sure that it's completely frozen and then when we bring it back make sure that we put it back in the freezer as soon as we get stateside but like um if you find a badger on the side of the road and you have a license to no harvest it you can skin it and depends on what kind of form you want if it's like crawling and hunting you would cut it up the belly because you're not going to see that Mm -hmm. but if it's like a deer and you just want like the top half so a half size form you would want to uh, cut it in a circle around the stomach about halfway down and then peel it up so that you don't if you so you don't cut into the brisket which is the chest area for people who don't understand like anatomy 
on animals. Are you still able to like harvest the meat? Like if you have a deer or a bear or fish or whatever, are they still able to have the meat? Yeah, you can certainly do that. Just for the fish, if you are consuming it, you just have to be extra careful with um, where you cut it because the skin, once it's processed, gets very thin and brittle. So it can be hard to taxidermy. Do you like keep the skeletons like, or is that too hard to get? What do you mean by skeletons? Like the entire? No, no, no. I mean, like if you like, you take everything away and you have the bones. Like, can you mount the bones? Um, or is that like a completely someone else? That's what. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking. (laughs) I got you. I got you, Claire. No. Like, if I just, I don't want because I don't want a realistic one. I want just a skeleton to freak people. Because, like, you know, like. That clinics will have, like, skeletons of a cat or uh-huh. whatever so that yeah. people can learn the anatomy. anatomy. Yeah. That's what is I'm that asking. part of taxidermy or is that, like, a you do that by yourself? You can do that by yourself. <laughs> but that's what? a lot of work. Why don't you do it for me? It's just, it's not for taxidermy. It's trying to pre- preserve the hide. the hide in the animal's life. I got And you. so the bones aren't really, a, like, a thing. Like, people will keep the skulls for stuff. I've kept, like, our deer skulls. If it's, like, a one I don't want to mount, we'll just, like, spray paint it or hydro dip it or whatever we want to do. And we also just bleach them out and boil them. That's a weird thing, too, because the the antlers of, like, a deer is mm-hmm. connected to the skull. Yep. How do you get it to stay on the mount? Because it's not stuck to the skin. Okay, so for a mount that you just have the antlers, you're going to cut the antlers off. So you're going to cut in front of the antlers at a like inward slant. And then from the back, you're going to hit do that same thing, an inward slant. And so it's kind of like a V. And then you will um, tap the brain out. And then you will take out the lining, the brain lining. And then once it dried... You'll, of course, continue to clean it out and make sure it's all spotless and everything. And then when you put it on the hide, you're going to screw it into the top of the hide. And there's like a specific spot in the hide that's already cut out in the form where you'll mount it on top. And then you'll put the hide over that and then you'll stitch it up across the hide. So it's usually in a Y behind the antlers in the back of the head. And that's how you hide it. And then you'll hide the little hair and you'll fluff it out so you can't see where the antler starts and where, I mean, where the antler ends and where the mount starts. So, okay, say say you have, like, a pet cat or something that you get taxidermied. If you, like, pet it a lot, would that, like, damage it? Like, it, if you touch it a lot? Yes, because uh, it's your natural, the natural oil from your fingers are going to be absorbed in that fur. And unlike an, a live animal... It can't, like, shed that fur. Uh It's going to damage the skin and the preservation process that it went through. Okay. And it'll start to shed. So that's why it's in, like, display cases or, like, up on the wall so you don't touch Uh it, right? And so, like, the um, Social Science Museum here at Wayne State, the animals in Carhartt Science, you can't touch because... If your if your natural the natural oils from your fingers oh, got into it, and if if everyone touched it, yeah. you know See, that happens. In, have you guys ever been to like caves? I don't know. They're just like around, and they'll just be like little caves that you can walk through. Mm-hmm. And there's like if you can tell where people like mm-hmm. touch the walls and stuff because you can see the oils, and it's just like a different you chemical makeup that at that on, point. Like, like the statues on campus, like the bronze statues, mm-hmm. where it's dark no one has touched but where it's that shiny um, gold, gold color. color that's where everyone is touching mm-hmm. i know at the omaha zoo like they have a, sta- a mammoth statue mm-hmm. and you can tell where people like hang on the statue because like on the uh tusks it's yep like a, a different color, color yeah. yeah yep and so it's a it's the same process of okay. just uh, anything in like the museums or like birds in general, they have thinner skin like a deer or mammals. And so it's going to, those little pins that hold the feathers in, the pin tops, mm-hmm. are going to break out easier than, say, if you petted a deer. That was another thing, though. Like, when I think of taxidermy, I don't think of, like, the stuff in museums. Okay. You know, I always think of deer mounts or fish or wildlife Mm -hmm. mounts i never think of like the exotic stuff in museums and a lot of it is a lot of stuff in museums 
small museums, I should say. Some of them are replicas. They're not actual hide that they've found mm -hmm. because... You mean that mammoth is not real? Are you kidding me? I'm shocked. <laughs> but I can't speak for every museum. <laughs> Just give me a crap. <laughs> but yeah, you can do exotic life-size life mounts. I've known people who have done like wild boars. I think we've done like a cape buffalo. Oh, uh, what else have we done? I think we've done in like an eland and a gazelle. And if you don't know what these are, um, look them up. They're pretty cool. I think we've also done an Ibex, but I would love to do a leopard. So if if it's like a really, really big animal, like you said you wanted a hippo, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you have to have more than one person to do that because it's just really, really big? Like you couldn't maneuvering it and stuff. I think it would be hard to do by yourself. So a lot of the larger animals come in multiple pieces you put together. And so, yeah, you would use more than one person. But like the odd dad sheep we've done, they're larger than like a normal sheep, of course, because they're not from North America. They're not but, domesticated. <laughs> yeah. You, you can do it by yourself, but it might be easier to have two people to put the hide on. Yeah. Um, but I know, like, a deer you can do by yourself. It's pretty easy. Anything smaller than a deer is super simple. But anything up to, like, a hippo or any of those, like, exotic big animals, it's going to be easier to do with one more than one person. But you can, if you are the only taxidermist and you don't have helpers, mm -hmm. of course, you're going to have to do it yourself. So when you're doing like a new animal that you haven't done before, do you have to like look up the procedure for how to do it? Or do you just kind of like go with what you think works? Or how do you kind of start the process if you've never done it before? So we first look up if we've never done the animal We'll look up like a photo of them. Try if it's like a fish, we'll see kind of the color of what we need to use in it. We might have to mix paint to try to match that color. And a couple of the birds that we have done, some ducks have colored feet. So like a lime green foot, we might not have that color on in hand. So we, you paint them too? For some things, yeah, we'll have to paint them just to touch up areas or even like a lot of ducks um, and just waterfowl in general. The color isn't as vibrant after they've been processed because of... So, like, you don't use the beet. Like, you have to paint a beet? In some cases, yeah. You'll have to, like, touch up know the that. color. Yeah, I would have mm -hmm. never thought you would Yeah, I'm like learning so much. Yeah. But, like, the beak, if it's not damaged or anything, it's the actual beak. Huh. Or the actual bill or whatever that animal has. So, do you, like, hand paint or just, like, sh sh hit it with some spray paint? Um, not spray paint. We use Air, a like an airbrush. Airbrush, mm. and then so then you can use you can concentrate the paint better. So if mm -hmm. you just need a, like a light dusting of a color for like a top, like a speckle, mm. for whatever reason, you can do that. Or if you need to hit it with like a lot of paint in a very small area, you can do that. So for some fish, I know they're like like change colors in the light. So do you have like holographic paint for that? Um, my taxidermy does, but. Does not, but I know some people might use it, and they just, in some cases, you might not be able to replicate something exactly like. You know what would be really cool? If you just had a fish that was on a thing, and then it, like, spun in a circle, and you had the light hitting it, and it was, like, changing <laughs> colors as it spun. Mm -hmm. That's my taxidermy idea. <laughs> okay, here's brilliant. Here's my other question. Have you ever done, like, the mythical creatures? The jackalope, the unicorn? unicorn. <laughs> Stuff like that? No, we haven't. We stick to real animals. Sorry. Oh, Whitney, I want a jackalope, though. Well, you get me the parts and I'll make you one. We don't have jackrabbits around here. <laughs> Go to the sandhills. Just get a regular <laughs> rabbit. God. <laughs> Mary, just can I like, borrow your rabbit? Just, yeah, just get like one of those spotted pet rabbits <laughs> and put some antlers on it. Not the pet rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> but I know like for we've done like a rainbow trout replica and so trying to match the colors is very hard because there's so many colors mm -hmm. and they different for the region that they're in. I know that one was specifically from Manitoba, Canada, but anything from like bass, it's going to differ from like a Nebraska bass. So do you have to, to like research or ask the person who wants it like 
what region or color they they want. Normally, we can tell when they're brought in what they look like. If we're not doing the processing ourselves, we might take a photo, but a lot of them all look about the same. Okay. Like if there's like a distinct, like this has an orange spot for whatever reason, we okay. might jot a note down of where the spot is or take a photo. But So like with salmon, mm-hmm. like when they shed their scales or whatever, do you, are you able to like taxidermy those? We've never done a salmon before, but I would think they probably could. If you're missing like one or two scales, you might be able to glue it back on. Um, if you like collected them and they had fallen off after the after you had uh-huh. cleaned them, but if they f- were damaged in the process of preserving it, you might not be able to. It just depends on the product that you're using and how experienced that person is. I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> So we were talking about like roadkill stuff. What about like possums, squirrels, rats? Do you taxidermy those? We do more like raccoons, beavers, badgers, okay. but not like little little tiny ones. Not not usually, but I know a lot of like bars in Nebraska and in the Midwest have like that squirrel, squirrel yeah, doing some weird say. thing, like or like holding a little tiny uh can of a but can yeah, of adult beverage. adult beverage. <laughs> But anything like that, that's like a taxidermist that's done that. They've posed that squirrel doing whatever they are doing. You know what? At PetSmart, how they have those like itty bitty tiny little fluffy mice that are like like two inches tall. Like the cat toy? No, not the toy. Like the actual mouse. Oh. In their little like. Oh, yeah. They have like that display case that's like all the different kinds of like little rodents. Yeah, I got you And there's the itty bitty tiny ones. Like, is there, like, a size limit? Like, can you, like, taxidermy, like, an earthworm or no? No. Well, earthworms don't have a... But, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking, like, size-wise. So, like, if I had a little bit of baby snake that I wanted to taxidermy, would you be like, um, no, that's too small? Well, depending on the size of the snake, you might be able to get a dry tan and it would be flat. And you could put it in, like, a picture frame if you're saying it's that small. But, like, small rodents, well, because, no. because, like, bugs are different, right? Because you don't taxidermy you those. You just get to pin them up yeah, to a board. Yeah, you pin them onto a board. But, like, a, a skin of a snake, yeah, you could you could preserve that. But, but not you're not bitty mouse? No. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, the one movie with... Steve Carell and Paul Rudd, and Steve Carell has like those little mouse things that he makes like scenes of. Dinner for Schmucks. Have you ever seen that movie? No. One of my favorite movies of all time. He like taxidermies these little, like these little mice that he finds just like on the road and stuff, and like makes like these. <laughs> he has one of like Albert Einstein, and he has this like whole display of him and his <laughs> ex-wife, and he has one of Vincent Van Gogh, and he makes this like huge presentation about it. It's the best. That's why I was asking because that's what I was thinking of. Oh, never man. seen. And he that. has a little Jesus. He has a little Jesus mouse in his pocket. <laughs> no, that great. might be a little far fetched for our taxidermy. Okay. But we he see little clothes for them, and they're all dressed up in little costumes, and they have like glasses. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> He pulled a Stuart Little, but the Stuart Little was dead. <laughs> no, but we see things like bobcats, mule deer, coyotes, beavers. Have you ever done, like, uh, muskrat? Uh, I personally haven't, but I'm pretty sure my taxidermy probably has. He's done a lot. He's been doing it for, I don't know, 30-some years. That might be off, but... Side note, but, like, earlier on... With, um, like, conservation taxidermy, Mm -hmm. I guess. I think it's interesting, too, when you can, like, compare the species next to each other that are, like, related, but they're from different areas. Yeah. Because even in, like, some museums, I think there's some down in, at the Nebraska Museum, actually, where, um, you can see the comparison of, like, the evolution of that animal. I think that's kind of cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially with taxidermy, you can actually see it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with pictures, like, yeah, you see it, but you don't see the size difference necessarily. And you might not be able to relate to a picture of, like, an evolution of the domesticated fox. Yeah. Like, for what they used to look like to what they are now and just, like, a, in pictures. But being able to see that in person and maybe the size variation, the color variation. Yeah. And just how they might hunt also. You're going to be able to see that in person and be able to relate to it better. 
that kind of reminds me of when Charles Darwin went to the Galapagos and he had yeah. like all his different little birds from all the islands so he could compare them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what that reminds me of. Yeah. And they, he like looked at their different beaks and then related that back to like food and stuff. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the different finches mm-hmm. and yeah. like how they compared on like on the Galapagos compared to Madagascar. The or other whatever. islands, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even I know we've done like Chinese pheasants. You'll have to look them up. They're really cool, very pretty. The difference between that species and like the domesticated ringneck pheasants that are common around here to like a black pheasant and just the difference between them. It's very cool. Have you ever taxidermied like a turtle or a tortoise? I haven't, but my taxidermy has, yes. Because I think we have a turtle shell, I think, in the office that we just are able to look is, at. Is that skin like difficult to work with since it's like a different it texture? It probably is. I would think it's like really thick. I would. You know? Yeah, but what I about like think a it's... frog? Like can you taxidermy a frog because yours is really thin? <sighs> you See, can I'm not frog. sure about a frog because they're amphibians and... There's probably a way to do it. I just, I don't think we've ever I mean, done anything like that. Because, of course, like their that. skin's, like, really well, wet and, like... This is weird. In our thin. middle school, like, we had a... Because it used to be a high school, so, mm-hmm. like, some of the high school stuff was still there. And there was a frog or a toad. Something, it was one of those two. And it, I don't know if it was real or fake. Okay. I just assumed that it was, like, a taxidermy frog. Okay. But I don't know if that would have to, you said with snake, like a flat taxidermy, mm-hmm. because yeah, the, their skin has to be like super thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because frogs are like all muscle. Those it dudes would... are jacked. <laughs> like for real, for real. <laughs> My guess is probably just a replica and it was done so well that it looked real. Yeah. That would be my guess. I know we've done fish that are pure replicas. They don't have one ounce of anything real them, and it's and they look completely like you'd have to put it in like a jar of like what is it formaldehyde? Mm -hmm. I think you would have to do that, right? But that's for like dissecting it. That wouldn't be for taxidermying. You can do that for preserving, though. I don't. I don't mean to like taxidermy it through there. I mean like putting it in a jar of formaldehyde. Have you never seen those jars? Yeah, I have seen them because we opened buckets of them to get it out for biology to dissect stuff. (laughs) And they smelled awful, and they were this awful like yellow, rotten color. Smells nasty. That's a different. You know, a different process from a formaldehyde for that. In taxidermy. You know well, what yeah. smells double I mean, like, yucky is sharks in that stuff. Because it's like the fishy dead fish smell plus that smell. See, we only did cow eyes, which is also an awful smell. We did frogs. And then I think we had like a, a pig uterus that okay. had um, with the fallopian tubes yeah. with piglets in it. Oh, interesting. We found 19 little piglets and they looked like little toys. Yeah. It's so weird. It just so looks like me. it just looks like it would be in like a little farm toy set. Okay, they're, yeah. Cuz they're like 2 inches and, and they're, they're just like in, because they've been in that and they're just mm-hmm. in like a perfect little pig shape though. And yeah. you just like do do do. Yeah, I don't know how many piglets were in this one, but there was a lot. We found 19. That's impressive. That's, that must have been an older sow. It was a lot. If you could have any animal taxidermied, what would you guys choose? Okay, we'll hmm. we'll stick with North America for that question. I don't know. See, I would like, like I obviously little mice would be fun, but then I would just play with them. Like that's the problem. Like I wouldn't. I would want to pet it and touch it. Like because that's why that's why I asked about like having a pet, pet. because mm-hmm. if I had like a cat or something. I would just want to pet it all the time. Yeah. yeah. No. Before before the podcast started, we were talking a little bit, and Claire was like talking about the uh, taxidermy pets on TikTok. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. I was talking about um on Dance Moms oh. when when Abby Lee Miller her her dog Broadway baby dies and she gets it taxidermied and all the moms are like that is so creepy. I can't believe she just did that. And then she brings it to like the studio to show everybody. <laughs> No, like on oh, that is so bad. No, like on TikTok, you'll see like every once in a while, I'll see like someone bringing home their dog from the taxidermy. He's just chilling in the back seat, and they're like, "Gonna set him by the door," and I'm like, "Okay." I think there's I feel a like. See, also, I feel like pets are a little bit different because it it to me taxidermy my pet would be like if I had a child and then got it taxidermied. Like, that's what it feels like to me. Like, that's just weird. Because it's a little bit more personal. 
I I put a fine line between taxidermy your animals for wildlife purposes and the animals that are your pets. Yeah, that's see that's yeah. that's what I'm no, talking I, about. Like I got you. It's too it's, personal. That's, it's yeah. No, I, I get that. Like you want it like like it, I, no, I get that because like if I was really attached to a steer, I don't well, it would be actually, hard it would be, be hard, hard for me for, to see it every day. It would be hard for me to go and be like, I'm going to have hamburger tonight. You know, it would be a little bit difficult for me. But then, like, your dog passing away and then seeing your dog every single day mm-hmm. and it not interacting with you. That would kind of be, like, a little it weird It would just hurt, though. Like, it wouldn't make you feel better. I feel It would make me feel worse. It would make me feel sad. I can't speak for anyone else, but, like, it wouldn't help me heal yeah. from that, I yeah. guess. You know what? I think... Back to your original question mm-hmm. of what I would want as a taxidermy. I think it's some type of owl. Okay. Like a barn owl or like a snowy owl or something. Good choice. You know? Yeah. How about you, Claire? Claire still Aside, wants a mouse. I, don't, I genuinely don't think. I. The problem is I have to like touch things. So it would just be attempt. Like it doesn't matter what no, it would be. Fair. I would mm-hmm. just be like. Ooh, tech. Yeah, okay. I feel the same because so like I if like I saw I an owl, like a, especially like a snowy owl, they look so Fluffy. soft, and like and I would want like, to touch oh. it. Like if I left the house for the day, I'd be like, "Bye, give you a couple pats on the head." <laughs> <laughs> this would be like a good animal for you to have if you do want a pet, because it'd be easy to get another one if you do wear out the skin <laughs> or the fur. Would be like a raccoon because they're soft and they're smaller, and you could like. Hold them if you wanted to. <laughs> I think it would be, you know, it would be so funny. I would get a possum and then I'd put it in my dad's garage. <laughs> oh, oh, no. That's evil. And, Listen. and he would get so triggered and it would be hilarious. Listen, I could never with a possum. I can't even stand those things alive. Okay. I know some people out there are like, they're so good. No, they're not. They're not. Okay. They're not. They cute. eat so many ticks. No, they don't. They do not. You can't use that as an excuse, all right? They don't eat that many ticks. No. Speaking of possums and raccoons, though, do you ever worry about, like, disease or do you not have to worry about disease because they're dead? You do have to. I know some of the bears we've, like, thawed and started to defat, the ticks will come back alive because they've gone dormant. But say, but I know that specific bear in general had been in the freezer for, like, five years. Mm -hmm. So... Making sure that you get rid of all that. Do you have to like wear gloves and stuff? I guess what's your like procedure to make sure you're not spreading things or getting sick? Like, do you have to wear gloves? Do you wash your hands? Like, how does how does that work? How do you sanitize? So our the most PPE we probably would use. Um, we always use like gloves that you would see like a doctor gloves, mm-hmm. just those nitrile. Yep. Um, but if you're doing something with like horns or bones, you might wear a mask. So you're not ingesting the dust from the bones. But other than that, if something smells, you might wear a nose plug. But other other than the mask and the gloves, we don't really wear other PPE. But do you, like, wash your hands when you're, like, changing animals or doing, yeah. like... Mm-hmm. We have yeah. a We have a sink um, out in the shop that we use if we go from, like a wet tan and we're defatting something like do you have a, to like sanitize like the hides and stuff like no squirt them with some Clorox <laughs> no <laughs> that would I think that would ruin that hair that would you kind think? of ruin the purpose no <laughs> I'll clean <laughs> uh, have you or your taxidermist like done animals that have like a medical anomaly I guess like they're like two heads or something yeah we haven't done two heads, but I know there's been some, like, missing a toe. There was something wrong with one animal's, like, face. There's been, like, a deer where it has, like, a third horn. Oh. Stuff like that we've done, but nothing like a two-headed pig. What or... about, okay, this is back to pets, but, like, a cat with multiple toes? Mm-mm. We haven't done cats. It, well, we've done, like... A mountain lion cat or like a bobcat, but not like a domestic a domesticated cat. cat, no. Fair enough. Because a lot of people do not want to cross that line between 
domesticated pets and wildlife. Yeah, they're, mo- they're yeah. leaning more towards the taxonomy that is for preserving wildlife and for conservation. But if you like found a cat and it was roadkill, could you bring it in and get it taxidermied and then that would be your new pet? <laughs> you could, but not to my taxidermy. I'm not doing that either. <laughs> You can pay a price, but like, and someone do it. It has me. extra toes. Yeah, make sure you count his toes first. <laughs> also, like, what about the lucky rabbit's foot? Is that like taxidermy? Yeah, that would be like preserving it, because you would have to take out the bones, of course, and then dehydrate it. So you would have to cure the inside, and then you would sew up the top, and then whatever you're gonna hang it with, like whatever yeah, thread yeah. or leather that you're gonna either like wear or hang it up on the wall for your okay. lucky. Because but. like some like that was a like a '90s thing, I think, where people would like have a lucky rabbit's mm-hmm. foot and carry it around. Yeah, that would. But be those m- could not last r- long, right? Maybe the 1890s. Saying, like, <laughs> okay, Claire. I don't know my decades. Um, that would be more <laughs> preserving than taxidermy. I just oh. kind of assume that's the hippie area era. So I don't know when the hippie era was. Wasn't that the seventies and eighties? Sure. I'm. A, it was no. It was sixties to seventies, bro. It was a Vietnam War. Sixties and seventies. Well, not eighties and nineties. I know. I originally said eighties, nineties when you were like oh, more like eighteen. I was like, wait, more hippie era era. Yeah. But, like, I guess, what's the lore behind that? Like, why did that start? Why is that a thing? I can look it up if you want. I do. I would like to know. <laughs> Seems fishy to me. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> fishy. <laughs> also, with fish around here, I think paddlefish is like super popular because you can only catch so many a year mm. and it's like a very limited season. What if I wanted to, like,. Taxidermy sardines. No. <laughs> Hard no. Why do you want sardines? Because they're small. Have you guys... It'd be funny. Because <laughs> who else would do it? Oh, gosh. Have you guys ever seen uh, armadillo that's been taxidermied? No, I have not. They're absolutely cool. You should check it out if you have a taxidermist in your area. Call them up, be like, hey, do you have a do you so, have an armadillo on hand that I can see? So do you just like when you're a taxidermist, obviously you do stuff to order, but do you just like do stuff and have like a storefront to sell or like ha- like do you have to have things on hand or can you just do them for like people who ask? Not normally because everything you bring in needs to have a permit and a tag. Uh-huh. So you're not going to have like a storefront like you would think like a shopping boutique would have. Okay. But you can have, if someone doesn't pick it up and you know they're never going to be, say if they pass away and they're like, the family's like, just keep it. We don't want it. You could. Like resell it then? I think so, yeah. Okay. Or you can keep it in your own stash mm. and have it as like a display like. This is what I've done. Do you like this? So it's more of like showcasing your work than mm-hmm. like for sale. Yep. Oh, okay. It's a lot more artistry mm-hmm. than like business. Okay. Well, not gotcha. even like that. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I I was looking up the myth of the, oh my God, of the rabbit's foot. Um, so it's just like a symbol for good luck. But the belief is um, that an individual has to follow like a certain like it's superstitious right so you have to follow a series of things attributes or whatever um like the donor rabbit that like has the foot has to have certain attributes such as being killed in a particular place using a particular method or by a person possessing a particular attribute for example a cross-eyed man that's what this page says. That's not me. Okay. That that sounds very like witchy. Does it, it, is. does it does it say like when this started? <laughs> like what what year did this originate? I I have no idea. Cuz now I'm thinking it's more like the 1400s. <laughs> this has like No, you're right. It has it goes way back. Like way back. Um 
Uh, why why would he have to be cross-eyed? Uh, the belief in North American fo- folklore may originate in the system of folk magic or hoodoo. A number of uh, stricture attached to the charm are now observed mostly in the breach, namely that it must be the left hind foot of a rabbit, which was shot or otherwise captured in a cemetery. What what site are you on, Agnes? <laughs> <laughs> like this is a mixture of history dot com and Wikipedia. Okay, okay. <laughs> both not totally reliable sources. Okay. <laughs> No, it gets better, Claire. It gets better. Oh, does it? (laughs) Oh, Lord. Some sources say that the rabbit must be taken by a full moon and has to be a new moon. Some say that it has to be taken on a Friday, a rainy Friday, or Friday the 13th. And other sources say that the rabbit has to be shot with a silver bullet, and others say the foot has to be cut off while the rabbit is still alive. Again, I don't know how this became popular. Who Whose idea was this? <laughs> Somebody probably just told someone as a joke, like, hey. And they were like, They're having you know like what? a stroke of bad luck, and they're like, you know what? You need a rabbit's foot. <laughs> and then they took that to heart. <laughs> and they were like, hey, how do I do it? And they're like. It was a prank gone wrong. <laughs> They're like, I don't know, bro, go on Friday the 13th. At midnight in the cemetery and hire a cross-eyed man to shoot it with a silver bullet. He can't just just have one cross-eyed, though. He's Both of them got to be cross-eyed. Both of them. He can't just have a lazy eye. They got to be crossed. (laughs) Oh, I don't don't know about this. Yeah, it sounds like a prank that just... (laughs) Did you ever have a Lucky Rose? I feel like I knew someone who had one. I did not. I feel like I knew someone who had one, and I can't remember who it would have been. I knew someone that had one for a little bit, but, like, I don't know if it was fake or if it was, like, a real rabbit's foot. It was just, like, a keychain kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, it's gonna bring me good luck. It was just like, hey, I have a cool keychain, guy. Gonna flex on you, sir. (laughs) It's like, you weirdo. (laughs) So, you know at Cabela's how they have, like, that big display right in the middle with, like, yep. all the animals? I'm going to assume they're taxidermied or recreated. Yep, so they are. So, is it, is it, like, really difficult to, like, do them where there's a rabbit and, like, a coyote's mouth or something? How is that a lot more complicated than just doing one or the other? No, it's not that more complicated. You're just going to have a open mouth on that coyote which is an interchangeable usually or depends on which form you want you can order it it's already in that place but having then whatever if you want it to look limp or like if you want it to look like it's still kind of alive yeah depends on that getting that form for that rabbit to put in its mouth but i've done um for i think my senior year of high school I entered a taxidermy for my 4-H exhibit, which we always did each year because we were the only ones in our county to do it. I was going to so say, always... I don't think I've ever seen taxidermy at county fair. Yeah, it's you don't see it very often. I think we we were probably the only ones in the even like five-county area <laughs> where we lived. Well, but there... Like, okay, only cer- certain... You only have a certain amount of stuff that goes to state mm-hmm. um, 4-H. And every time I would go, it's not like their section for taxidermy was huge. Because, again, you have a limited amount of space for said projects. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of people that take it to state. And if it is, three of, say, the five are probably ours. Well, and it's just not something I would think of as, like, a minor doing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I would think it would have to be, like, huge game warden. You know, like... Yeah. Someone that's gone out, gotten these trophy animals, and was like, I'm going to make some taxidermy, you know? Yeah. Not, like, someone in high school doing it. Yeah. But it, I mean, Which is it, impressive. But, I'm not, I mean, like, if it's, like, a family thing, right. then that's a lot understandable. But if it's just someone and your parents don't really do it, then you're probably not going to be into it. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it's hard to do without parental support. Well, again, See, like, it, a lot of people find it weird. And, like, mm-hmm. the more I sit here talking with you about it, I'm like... This isn't, like, it's not as weird as I thought. And see, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people will be like, 
oh, I don't really want to come over to your house. You have dead animals hanging on the wall. And I'm just like, yes, but let me explain. They're not going to be like preying on you. They're there as a conservation habit and like trophy and they're they're not creepy once you like get used to them that i've seen and like some of my friends who are very like off put they're like okay now that i've been here and i've seen the deers on the wall or like the bear in my room they're like okay this is kind of cool it's not as creepy see my thing is like a couple I could handle, but a lot would freak me out. Like if you had like a deer mount in like your front room, I'd be like, okay. But if you have one on every inch of your wall, I'd be like, there's a camera in one of these and I am nervous. <laughs> that <laughs> would just, just like, I'm pretty sure that one's eyes are <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw somebody. I saw you. I so like an that. 18 cartoon, that little thing is colored differently. It's going to move. You know, it, that, that yeah. eyeball, it looks a little suspicious. It's just like it would like eyes coming at you from every angle. Not a very big crowds person, so it just feel crowded. Yeah, I can understand that. Like that would be like again if I was surrounded by like a hundred of these things and not in like a museum type setting Mm -hmm. or a conservation kind kind of setting, it would probably be unsettling (laughs) to like just be surrounded by furs that have eyes. You know. Yeah, I get that. And some taxidermy is just done so poorly or it's so old that it just makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's really hard. I know we were brought in a mountain lion and the person wanted it to be redone because it had been done really bad the first time. And we tried to salvage it, but at the end of the day, it was it's like- it was impossible to try to make it look lifelike because the eyes were just so messed up. And, like, the whole face looked like it had been squished. And it just wasn't done properly because the techniques, when it was probably originally done, I was, guess, maybe the 90s or 80s. It was kind of old. So the techniques back then weren't as good. And their standards weren't as high as they are today. Well, it also could have been, like, an amateur job, too. Because you don't know who did it. Mm -hmm. So it could have just been, like, somebody's first practice run. And they're like, I here you go. Have at it. Yeah. It's like a botched plastic surgery. Yeah. And I know there's... (laughs) This week on Botched. (laughs) Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I know there's, like, a book of, like, a compilation of, like, taxidermy gone wrong. And that's, those are the images people think of when they think taxidermy. So we get a bad rep. It's like, oh, that looks very creepy because A, it was probably amateur. It was done wrong. It's not lifelike at all. Like it doesn't even look like an animal anymore. Yeah. And so the whole taxidermy field is like, well, that's not a good representation of us. That's not how our stuff looks like. That's not what our skill set is. You know? Yeah. And so we get a bad rap for it. And taxidermy is not cheap to do. Yeah. Far from it. That's exactly the picture that I was thinking of. That is exactly what came to my mind. That's why I was laughing so hard over here. I was like, oh my god. For for reference, all you have to do is look up botched taxidermy on Google. And the very first photo is this photo. It looks like it's they like, took a lion and yeah, pancaked it's, it's it. It's like a lion. Isn't I feel like the story it's, behind it, the story behind it that I've heard is that they had to like remove it from like a children's <laughs> museum because it freaks the kids out so much because it looks so horrible. Yeah, they did. So they did this lion, and it doesn't look like a lion. The eyes are on the front of its face, <laughs> like. On, like, like a person's eyes are on the front of their face. I'm crying. <laughs> like, <laughs> it has human teeth. <laughs> okay, um, we had to stop and collect ourselves. Just talking about, like, that taxidermy is the lion from uh, Gripsholm. Um, that's Swedish, so I don't know if that's pronounced correctly, but it's literally the first picture that comes up when you look up botched taxidermy on google images it's a lion it's very badly done and it's from the 18th century so i mean it was probably one of the first so probably the technology was not there right and gosh if you look at this lion i beg you to look it up because 
Read read what it says about it. Okay. Read the best part. So, it. I don't even know when this came out. I just remember an article that came out, and it was like this lion. And I think it went viral too, because it yeah. was like a bunch of places. And it's like this lion. His name is Leo. By His the name's way. Leo. Um, but viewers pondered. This is from Snopes. dot com. Um, viewers pondered a photograph of a puzzling museum sign that stated an object has been removed as we revise its facial expression, which was deemed zoologically improbable and or terrifying to small children. And if you look at this lion, it was attached to this photo of this taxidermied animal. And it doesn't look like a lion. Like, you know what they were trying to do, but they missed. Swing and a miss. (laughs) It has this weird cartoonish grin. I don't know how else to explain no, that. No, it's very cartoonish. According to the Royal Palace website from Merfjord, Sondermanland, Sweden. Again, I'm probably butchering that. Um, from the Gipsholm Castle. Uh, it says, a real-life lion was amongst the exotic animals that were sought after in royal houses of Europe. To give a gift of a lion was a meaningful gesture between sovereigns. Leo the lion, this taxidermied lion, was almost certainly one such gift, but no one knows when it came to Sweden. The tale that has long been told about him is the stuff of legend, and he was a gift from the Bay of Algiers to King Frederick I, a gift in return for the tax of Sweden paid to avoid the barbarian state piracy in the Mediterranean Sea. So, okay, so did he come alive or already taxidermied? I don't know. It doesn't really say. It's okay. a, because it says a real-life lion was amongst the exotic animals. Okay. And it was given as a gift. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it was alive. And then once it got there, they were like, we want to preserve this because it was a, a very meaningful gift. Yes. So he's considered a royal lion from the 18th century, which, again, that's from the 1700s. Um, Things were different back then. Just a little. <laughs> I just love that it's like... And or terrifying to small children. And it literally says and backslash or. But I can see how, back to like Whitney's point, like these small like botched things. Even like the taxidermy that people do to like be funny or like the one example of like a squirrel holding holding something to like be funny. Oh my gosh, you know what it just It, so it kind of gives it a bad rap. Because it makes it like gimmicky instead of like... Mm-hmm kind of serious and yep. i feel like especially for like trophy hunting and stuff you take it a little bit more seriously because that's kind of like a goal that you met whereas if it's like a fish or it's if it's like a squirrel sitting on a stump like with a fishing pole mm-hmm. that's just kind of like i don't know it's just not as meaningful it's more meant to be a joke do you have any other thoughts mm-hmm. to add whitney any other stories any problems or mishaps that you've run into during your years of working towards well, I know you said that you have like, um, like a cinnamon raccoon, which is kind of a a rare color mm-hmm. of raccoon. What do you have any other like rare taxidermies like that? I guess. I don't think we have any other rare ones, but yeah, I have a cinnamon coon, which was given to me by someone who had a license, and they handed it off, and everything was legal and everything, and we got that. Mounted and it's sitting on like a rock ledge. But also, I was, I know a family that lived near my mom's parents that were, was trying to catch an albino raccoon for us. But sadly, it, it escaped their setup that they had put on their farm because they have a dairy farm and they were trying to get rid of the animals and it just happened to be. A raccoon and my dad had reached out and be like, would you be able to trap it? And But we also have a couple different kind of pheasants. I said a little bit earlier that we've done Chinese pheasants, which they're very beautiful, very colorful. We also have like your typical deer, moose, elk. We have a bunch of bears because we go hunting. Uh, we try to go hunting every year up in Canada. We've hunted in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So that's going to wrap up our podcast this week. Um, thanks again for Whitney for, you know, telling us all about taxidermy and actually, you know, giving us a, 
a bigger idea of what it is and how it's done. And also, you know, looking into the conservational side of it. But yeah, that's going to wrap it up this week. Tune in next week on Thursdays for more Ag Knowledge. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ag Knowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Listen to KWSC 91.9 The Cat on the TuneIn app. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Surf Day by Marcos H. Blanos, found on freemusicarchives.org. The song was edited for the use of this podcast.